0: Uh, have uh, your Bible, if you please turn your copy of God's Word to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. Um, uh, if you remember last week, uh, John Whitaker asked if he could preach the whole uh, rest of the chapter of, of Ephesians chapter 3, but he didn't do that. Um, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. Um, you guys didn't like the ending of it, so I like the ending. So, uh, just for the sake of context, and really kind of, you can kind of see how Paul's uh, flow is going to be here by the power of the Spirit. We'll beginning in verse 14, going all the way to verse 21, and really kind of focus in on uh, 20 and 21. Uh, let's read God's Word. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He might grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all whether we ask or think, according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen father we pray now as we look into this beautiful doxology we pray that you would give me wisdom to be a blessing to your people and god you we pray that you would warm our hearts uh, for the great uh, privilege uh, of prayer and the power that you have uh, given your uh, saints to reflect your glory to the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This is a a fitting ending for the first half of the book of Ephesians. Those of you who are unfamiliar with the book of Ephesians, it's really kind of written uh, in in two kind of halves. Uh, The first half is is teaching a lot of doctrine, a lot of ises, a lot of indicatives, a lot of facts about our salvation. So if you just want to turn back... Uh, Just for for reflection, Uh, this is the great passage in uh, chapter 1, verses 3, all the way to verse 14. That's one sentence there in in the Greek. Um, This is, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us for the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace.'" With which he has blessed us in the beloved. And it goes on. You go down to verse eleven. In him we have obtained an inheritance. We have been having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promise. Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Wonderful doctrines of truth, right? We see how He talks about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then you get down to chapter 2, He talks about this great salvation we have. And we all know this verse, um, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for grace you have been saved through faith this is not of your own doing; it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we might walk. We should walk in them. So we were dead in our trespasses and sins; we were wrapped uh, under God's wrath, and He saves us by His grace through faith. Uh, and then He says, "Not only does He save us," speaking to, of the church, He says He has done this not only for. Um, uh, us but he's done this to bring two people together breaking down the wall of hostility he bring Jew and Gentile together which was mind blowing for the first century and we see that again in chapter 3 he kind of reiterates that gospel and then you kind of has this great prayer that he prays over the saints and for this reason I bow my knees before the father and then right there at the end it's most it's it's almost as if the the holy spirit has given Paul this 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 glorious Realization of the power and the majesty of God, and he says now to him, and he kind of ends with this this the first three chapters with a doxology, a a, a, a short um, uh, maybe a hymn or a, a few phrases that gives God all the glory. Uh, he does this also in the book of Romans. If you're familiar with the book of Romans, the the first eleven chapters really kind of unpack doctrine, kind of really lay out the whole doctrine of salvation, and then right there at the end of chapter 11, it says now to him, right, uh, that God has uh, blessed us with all things. And then chapter 12 and and 16 in Romans talks about therefore, now how we should live. If you look at chapter 4, verse 1, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you. So chapters 4, 5, and 6 are more, um, this is now what you do with this great truth, But before he goes there, he just pauses for a moment and says, Now to him. Now let's look at this doctrine. He says, Now to him who is able. Now to him who is able to do. Now him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, we think about all the, 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 the problems in our lives and how much sin is in our hearts. Uh, one of the things I, I do when I do marriage counseling, I'm doing a lot of pre-marriage counseling right now. Um, I, I'm getting lost because there's so many of them. There's like six of them. I'm like, okay, have I told you this yet? You know, I feel like I'm getting older and older because I keep on, I'm not sure who I'm telling these things to. So I'm just repeating myself all over the place. And I just keep on saying like, listen, you're about to get married and your spouse is going to be utterly sinful and you're going to realize how sinful you are as soon as you get married, right? You're not going to realize how sinful the other person is and how realize how sinful you are until you get married and you're living in close proximity together and you smell bad breath all the time. Um, right, this is this, you know, um, was that, sorry, I was for, or for, sorry for my wife. She's got to deal with that. Um, but we think about how sinful we are and then we think what this verse says. Now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. Now, we can apply this verse in many ways, right? But just think that the God in heaven has said, I know you're utterly sinful. I know that you have evil desires and evil hearts, but I will transform you. I will transform you by the power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You who are utterly sinful will be of the redeemed. Saints set apart for God and for his glory. I think sometimes when I talk to people and the, the things that they are most struggled by is why do I continue to struggle with sin? Why do I still have this sin in my life? Well, we know partly we're gonna still have aspects of sin in our life until the Lord calls us home. We're gonna still fight the, the this man of flesh, Right? this woman of flesh. We're going to fight that. But at the same time, we have the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ working in us. And this is what his prayer is. His prayer is that the power of the spirit in our inner being will help us realize that Christ dwells in our hearts. That we who were dead, utterly sinful, have been transformed by his grace. And that is an amazing thing. And not only that he has the power to save you and to redeem you, he now has the power to use you. I mean, some of us, we look back at our past lives and the, the things we've struggled with, and we think, Lord, why would you want to use me? I mean, why, Lord? Would you, how can you use me? Do you realize what I've done? Do you realize the mistakes I've made? And he says, yes. Because I can do far more abundantly than you can ask or think or imagine as in one translation, right? God not only wants to redeem us, but he wants to do what? He wants to uh, use us for his workmanship. Meaning he wants to use us sinful creatures to be set apart by his grace so that now we can proclaim his grace to the world that we now can, can live a godly life and by our good works and by our good words can show the world that you too, who are utterly sinful, can be made whole in Christ. This is glorious. And this is ongoing until eternity. It says, <clears throat> the end, second part of that verse, Now, to him was able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. This is really referring to his power. And then he, Paul specifies that according to the power of, at work within us. The Holy Spirit of God is working within us. Romans, Paul says, the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. And if the same Spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you, He will give life to your mortal body. I think that means now and it means in the days ahead. When we close our eyes in death, we will open them in glory. And how is this accomplished? This is accomplished because the Lord Jesus went to the cross. Because he says, unless I go, unless I go, I cannot send the Holy Spirit. This is when when Grant was preaching a few weeks back. It is to your advantage that I go. Because if I go and I go to the cross and I take the wrath of God on, um, on your behalf, if I absorb the wrath of God, paying for all the, the penalty of your sin, if I absorb it and I go to the grave and I burst forth as the morning sun on the third day and I go to glory and I send the Holy Spirit, it is to your advantage. Why? Because now you have the power of God dwelling in you. And the power of God has given you now the ability to overcome sin. It's given you the ability to find joy in the midst of trial. It's the power of God working Within us, isn't that absolutely amazing, guys? We are sinners, and yet God works in us. This is what happens every single week. I think sometimes when I first came to Park, um, I'd preach sermons, and uh, you know, I'd come down front. I do a kind of a now I kind of do a week um, altar call at the end of the service. I kind of walk down front, let, let you know that I'm there if you need me. Um, I think I make a strong appeal throughout the whole entire service, right, to, for repentance. I think I'm a pretty intense uh, guy when it comes to preaching. Um, but the real, one of the reasons why I don't advertise, I don't really push, hey, come forward, uh, is because at the end of the service, uh, people would say, Preacher, that was a great service. I just can't believe no one responded today. So the, the, the service was defined as good or bad, whether or not someone walked the aisle. If someone walked the aisle, good. If someone didn't walk the aisle, bad. That's not reality, because right now when the word of God is going forth, guess what? The power of the Holy Spirit is doing his work in his church right now to encourage and to convict his saints, because the power of the Holy Spirit is at work within you, so you can't see the visible results. It does not mean that God's not working. Parents, when you pour your life into your children and you tell them of the love of Christ and the love of God and you give the Word of God, even though you can't see the results, you can know that the God who spoke this Word into existence is working in the hearts and minds of your children. Same thing when you're discipling people, when you don't see the fruit that you want. Know this, that God is working because it's Him. You could do far more abundantly than you could ask or think according to the power that is at work within us. Beloved, this is not about you. This is about the one who could do far more than we could possibly imagine. He could take a a, a slave trader like John Newton and make him a pastor and a poet. He could take people who are far from Christ and want to live for their glory. This is why we say to him, To Him, be the glory in the church. Listen, the the goal of Park Baptist Church is not to grow in number. Praise God if it happens. That is not our goal. The goal of our church is the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. To Him, be the glory in the church. Our hearts as elders is not that you would... um, merely have contentment and joy in your relationships while you're here. No, we pray that you would glory in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would love Jesus more by being part of this body, and that your love for Jesus by being part of this body would help you show the love of Jesus to those who are in our community and in our church. We want Jesus Christ to be glorified. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever, Amen. I love how um, Paul wants us to see that Jesus Christ will reign forever and ever throughout all generations. So, when the early church, when those first, um, when those first saints bowed their knee. And said, Jesus is Lord. And those same saints who were burned during the the Reformation. And those saints that were martyred, right, in Africa just a few weeks back. Every single one will live on forever and ever because Jesus is Lord. Do we realize that Jesus Christ can do more than you could possibly ask or think? far more abundantly, we think only so often for this life, beloved. If we live only for this life, we should be pitied more than all men because the life of the Christian faith is a life of sacrifice. It's a life of pain. It's a life of struggle. Now, it is also a life of glory, and it's a life of joy. But, beloved, the life we experience here (laughs) pales in comparison for the life that God has promised us. I think sometimes we don't realize all that God has promised us. Pleasures forevermore at his right hand. We get to sing his praises. Worthy is the lamb who was slain forever and ever and ever. And the only thing that we can do after we know of the, the immensity of the gospel is to say, Amen. I agree. It's one of the reasons why we have our prayer time here. It may be good for you that after someone prays, all of us corporately say, amen. What we're saying is, I agree. I I agree with this prayer. I agree with God's power to answer this prayer. So one last time, what what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, bow in prayer. And after I pray verses 14 through 21, I want all of us to say, amen. Amen. Let's pray. For this reason, we bow our knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that through Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.